Hello, I'm Pam. And I'm Bethany. And welcome back, guys. We are actually um, back to talking about all the other ghosts, the Glee fanfic, where they are all superheroes, which is kind of fun. And today we will be discussing Chapter 3. Um, just to do a quick previously on, uh, because it's been a little while, so we're going to go ahead and just do a quick recap of what we missed on all the other ghosts. So, um, first we have Kurt Homo, who is the ghost of New York, and he is a superhero who can turn intangible, and he fights crime out in New York City. And then we have Blaine Anderson, who is this student, um, who... Moves out to live with his brother, and he's super into the ghost of New York. And um, previously, it it has set up kind of who they are, and that they're both kind of making their way um, into in the city. And then in the last chapter, um, they went up against a giant uh, Godzilla-like monster named Puxilla, which was very amazing. And... (laughs) You can jump in at any time and save this. I know. Recap. I'm just, I'm just listening. I'm just sitting here listening to you recap. Take a sip of my, sip of my water <laughs> to remember what happened because it's been like what a month since we've done this. Um, <laughs> and uh, and Blaine gets hurt, and so Kurt takes him to get patched up by with Mike and Tina, and then takes him home and spends the night with him, where they are completely G-rated. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna do the bow chicka bow bow, but it's so G rated, it's not even funny. Yeah, so that is coffee. That's about as spicy as it gets (laughs) for now. Oh yeah, Um, and that's where we're kind of at. Which sounds like not a lot has happened in the first thirty pages, but it it has. It's a lot of character building. A lot of the story is about character and re, you know, world building and kind of um, the the main plot though is that. You know, they're both trying to make their way. They're kind of not doing great in their own respective lives. And, and they're going to be much better once they um, once they kind of get going. But this chapter also, it's been hinted at in the first couple chapters. Um, but this one's really going to start to get us into what is the main conflict of the story that's not mm-hmm. Kurt and Blaine's relationship. Um, so I should yeah. mention, too, that we also in previously on or previously in or however you want to say that we also found out that Blaine is not just an admirer of supers he's also a super himself he is he is so okay so let's open this baby up and talk about chapter three all right so we start off as we have in the past i wonder if chapter two started off with Blaine too is it always Blaine so far yeah okay yeah it's Um, always been Blaine a lot of the story is told from Blaine's perspective, um, well, if you want to get down to it. it Well, so far, she's been very even in her going back and forth. We'll have to see when that changes, if that changes. Um, but so far, it's been every other. Well, that's true, so, I guess. You're right. I will that's fight fair. you on this. No, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I won't fight anybody. Um, okay, so... We start off, and I actually like this opening little scene. This kind of takes... A um, place right after season season two. <laughs> I'm done. Chapter two starts, <laughs> and um, basically it's kind of Blaine kind of going in and out of consciousness, right? Um, like while he he's, sleeps, he's gotten hit by the car or hit himself with the car. However, you want to 
look at it. Yeah, her and fight scenes are a little vague, to be they honest They are with you. a little vague. Like, when he talks about it later, he makes it sound like he ran into the car with his face. But when we were reading it, I felt like the car hit him. So, draw your own conclusion. But um, Mike had been worried about a concussion. And it, as everyone knows, if you have a concussion, you're not really supposed to sleep because you can fall into a coma. So, um, Ghost has taken on the responsibility of waking him every 30 minutes to make sure that he's okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I love the little banter in this. Um, I know. It's not very oh, much, so but it, so much of this early curtain blade stuff sometimes can be a little awkward. And we've gotten into a little bit of why and why we kind of, it's a little uh, going, you know, just a little bit of a bumpy start, but this stuff really gets into um, why they work. And, um, I like Kurt says, are you all right? Tell me your name. Now tell me my name. And Blaine says, you won't tell me it, you jerk. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then later he's like, are you all right? Tell me your name. And then Blaine says, you are the one who stole my wallet. Don't you know it? <laughs> Thank you, little smart ass. Oh, I love it. I love At least it. you didn't lose your sarcasm. Well, and it's so funny because in between these really sarcastic lines, we get, you know, a very gorgeous description of Kurt yes. and which is actually going to come back around at the end of the chapter. Yes. Um, but yeah, he's just kind of admiring like in this dreamlight state, he's kind of admiring how Kurt, how beautiful he is. And he's, you know, he's been a fan of him. So he's only ever seen him through his computer screen. Yeah. And so like now he's getting up close and he's like, Oh, you're so much more beautiful than even I realized. Yeah. It's very, it's very touching and very sweet. And, um, but it also is, um, you know, of foreshadowing of what's going to happen later, as you said. Yeah. Well, I also, I really like the image of, you know, like at one point his hood is back and yeah, you saw his mask on, but he can see the, 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 the dark brown hair and the, the eyes really pop within the mask and it just like, I don't know. It's a really nice image. One thing Rain Joy does very well is her, her description when she decides to actually describe something um, <laughs> it's really, really well. And I, I think it's really effective. And then suddenly the dreamlike state is over and Cooper is singing loudly in the lounge because it's morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I also, you know, the end of the scene is, you know, he gets up and, and there's nothing there and there's no mark and there's no sign of Kurt. And um, Blaine's like, oh, it's Blaine's ghost. And mm-hmm. it's just an interesting little cap on that. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So. Um, so the next thing that we get now, Kurt still has a job. Um, I'm guessing yes. he didn't actually sleep much the previous night. Or at all. I mean, I wouldn't think he slept much at all. Well, no, because remember, if we last chapter we ended with him and he was, uh, we were talking a little bit about how um, there is this interesting duality in the previous chapter where Blaine has an incident of the fire. He knows the incident happened and then Kurt is actually remembering it and how Mm -hmm. there's a juxtaposition of that. So we ended why do I keep saying season two? We ended chapter two. I'm not even saying episode. Right. Um, we ended chapter two with Kurt's point of view. And this kind of takes us back into Blaine's headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway. I don't know either because we started the next part. 
<laughs> I win. I get gold stars today. Um, anyway, all the gold stars. All the gold stars. So yeah, Kurt's back at home. Mm-hmm. And he's getting ready for work. And Rachel is intrusive as usual. Right. And um, yeah. She's like, she stayed all night waiting, stayed up all night waiting for him. And she says that um, she fell asleep waiting for him and then overslept when he snuck back in. So I would say that he hasn't been to sleep yet. No, probably not. No, I I think that, I mean, he might've dozed off. I'm sure he hasn't like completely hundred percent stayed up all night, but um, she probably fell asleep at like three in the morning. I'm I'm sure she didn't actually stay up all night and you know, him getting in it like probably woke her up and right. Exactly. So, um, I do like, you know, first she thinks that she, he was out with a guy all night, which is a big source of contention. Um, yeah. And that's going to come up later again too. That's, that's an interesting thing. That's one of the, you know, we talked about this in the early chapters and it's something that doesn't necessarily go away, but maybe we should make another distinction or maybe make a comment about a distinction between this Kurt and the story and the Kurt in canon of Glee Mm -hmm. because this Kurt is a little bit more fragile and a little bit more written in a feminine way. And that's not necessarily bad, but it's just different Mm -hmm. than the Kurt that is in the canon. I would completely agree with that. Um, And it's going to get even more um, apparent as we go on. So this is, I completely agree with you, but it's something we need to keep in mind for the future too, for future yeah, chapters. It is. I don't know how far I want to go with it, but uh, yes. Maybe we can come up more when we need to, because it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. Cause mm-hmm. I think going into getting into a relationship with Blaine, it's going to be a yes. little bit more, it almost reads like a heterosexual couple when it shouldn't. Um, yes. But once they get into the relationship, I don't feel that as badly and then there's going to be, we're actually going to have more of an issue talking about this in gray, but. Um, I was actually just going to say that. I feel like it's yeah. more of a gray issue than it is. Um, yeah, here. ATOG, but it's still an issue in ATOG. It's just not as prevalent. Yeah. Well, and my other thing is, like, he is so scandalized by the fact that she thought he was out. And it's kind of like, oh. Do we need to play up that? I mean, this, mm-hmm. he's not, Kurt is not a prude, especially. Kurt and Cannon is not a prude any, at all. No. He doesn't want to talk about it. There's a difference between pri- I mean, privacy and wanting not to you know, mention things. But right. he, he's not in the show in season two, which a lot of this is derived from. And I think mm-hmm. that's important to keep in mind. Um, he, little baby penguin, Kurt during the end of season two was supposedly like traumatized about anything related to sex. And I, I think that is very not wanting to get into the show stuff too much, but like there's a reason for that and it ends up having different consequences and it's not something like he gets over it really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's because of a specific, you know, it's because of the stuff that happened to him in the show earlier. Mm -hmm. He wasn't originally like that in season one. And I think that a lot of people took this whole baby penguin label and ran with it. And I think on top of that, she is kind of wanting to say stuff with her Kurt character, 
about feminism, which is great. I mean, I really appreciate it. Um, like even in this, I was like, I fold my eyes a little bit, but or no, it's later on when when uh, Finn says something about Kurt's getting or Rachel's getting ready. She'll be like a while, and Kurt says to his helpful, "It's only a little bit longer than me, and make it's just makeup, and you know, I'm glad I don't have to do that." And I'm like, okay, this is. You know, it's not a bad thing to point out these, you know, feminine issues. Mm-hmm. Not a bad point to point out these feminist issues. Um, but sometimes there's a reason you should have, you know, a female character doing that. Right. Like, I'm, not sure. to, yeah. I'm not sure this is exactly the story that needed to have that in it. And if mm-hmm. it is, then a, I wish a female person had been saying it. Exactly. So... There, it's kind of funny because it just—it's kind of these authorial, like I, I like put a little asterisk by it, saying, "Oh, this is the author's intent here." She, they, yes. she wanted to say this comment. It's not necessarily characterization that I think is relevant to, you know. I mean, yeah. So we all can pick and choose what we want to put in to the development of the story, but that's what I want to say about that. I guess yes. I mean, you're welcome to add Bethany, if you have more to say. Um, I think you said it pretty well. I mean, just, yeah, I'm that, that's all. That's it. Okay. <laughs> you said it pretty well. So I'm going to go ahead and move on. Like we probably will bring it up when it's, intense or like i know like i said in a couple chapters there's gonna be something that i'm like uh we're gonna have to sit and talk about this again but for the most part i'm gonna skim over it and really concentrate on more of the familiar curtain kurt characteristics and the important kurt characteristics right necessarily at this point in the story there's more to focus on than that. We can focus on that later when it's a bigger part of the story. And I, but, and I think that it's also something that we talked about off of, off record, I guess, off recording. I don't know. Um, off camera. Off camera. <laughs> but there's no camera. <laughs> if you, if there was, you guys would see me in my pajamas. Oh goodness. Scandalous. <laughs> um, is that you made me lose my point. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Something oh my god! Off yeah, off of uh, recording. Oh shoot! Give me a second. I know I gotta think about this. What we? Um. Oh, so something that we said off camera was that you know these first couple of chapters we are going to spend a lot of time talking about the differences between Curtain Blaine of canon and Curtain Blaine of the story because there are a lot of differences eventually the story is going to end up being something that stands on its own yes. and i don't think that is going to be as relevant to compare back to the original source material there will be a few things i do think that like you know every once in a while there'll be a little nod to canon that i think is interesting to bring up but once we really get into the meat of it i think that um it'll these discussions that these kind of comparisons will probably become less and less right okay i would completely agree with that cool one of these days you're just gonna be like i don't agree i mean we've we've disagreed before i know i'm just saying (laughs) okay it doesn't right, so happen I, often, but it does happen. 
Well, anyway, the point is in this particular scene, there's not really a whole lot to talk about anyway. Uh, basically, Rachel's up, you know, and she accuses him of being with a guy and he says no. And so then she starts talking about her assignment about, you know, she's so anti-superhero and trying to write something for her paper. And he's just like, whatever. <laughs> Have a nice right. day, Rachel. It's kind of like, don't forget, Rachel writes for the opposition of supers. supers. Yeah. Supers, as they're called, and yeah, supers. Oh. I couldn't remember I think... if that was this story or if I was taking that from um, the Incredibles. Well, but... I think it is from the Incredibles too, because I, in comics, they don't really cons- at least in the comic books that I've read, probably because I read so much X Men and they call themselves mutants, so they they don't spend a lot of time talking about superheroes as they do about this other particular group. But yeah, so. Okay, so then we get back to Blaine, because these first couple of, like, back and forth are actually really short. Um, we get back to Blaine, and um, he is re-watching all of the camera footage that happens. Right, he's basically on the internet. <laughs> he's he's scouring the internet. Yeah. I don't know, what do you have to say about that? Because I guess I just don't have a lot to say about it. Um, uh, what do I want to say about this? Um, I really enjoy... One of my favorite things about this story is... Is this whole other... And we haven't gotten completely into it because we've only seen Blaine's side of it. Um, but this whole other aspect of the fact that she has brought fandom into this story. Oh yeah. And, um, it's, I, I'm sure other stories have done that. I'm positive they have. I don't have a whole lot of experience with it. So this is my only, um, real, uh, touchstone for it. And I very much enjoy, and I very much love what she's done with this. Um, Yeah. I, and I think I have read, you know, other things a little bit, but I think this one is the most honest about what actually goes on in a fandom. I mean, this girl, obviously, or person, I don't even know if Rain Joy, what they identify with, so I'm not going to label them, um, really does fandom well. And I think one of the reasons, other than, like, it's kind of fun to talk about superheroes, and that's kind of what we're doing on the podcast right now, um, is that it talks a lot about fandom and fandomy things, and it gets really meta, and it's like with this scene, Blaine is still part of a fandom and he starts, he but he's starts, starting to question it. Yes. It's start, that seed of doubt has been planted where he's been in the actual thick of it. And it's like, what, what is, what is okay and what is not okay f- from what I've experienced to what I've been experiencing for X amount of time on the internet. Yeah. A lot of this is about boundaries and yes. what is ethically okay and what is not. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's a struggle for him to figure it out. And so you struggle along with him. Right. And it's eventually during- he's going to be completely disconnected and that, that it's something that's gradual through this and completely he's at, you know, at a different place and come great. I mean, fandom is its own separate entity with their own separate stories actually, which I think is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, I mean, like, 
he, you know, there's this thing that's happening and like this piece of action and something, you know, and then basically somebody's tagged it with dad ass again. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like he takes a step back and he's like, wait a minute, like somebody is out there getting hurt. Right. And somebody else is like taking a second and like, let's just talk about somebody's butt. And right. it's like taking a bat step back and looking at the bigger picture. I'm like, should we be doing this? Should we not be doing this? What is, you know, and it's something that isn't, doesn't have an answer. And I guess we'll get more into it in a minute when we go. And, so we'll yeah, that's what that. I was, I was just going to say, it doesn't have an answer. And because now Blaine is on this weird bridge of the two things, that's why he's struggling with it. But someone on either side of the bridge can't really, it's like you'll never be able to put yourself into someone else's shoes completely because you'll never know what they deal with from day to day. It's that kind of mentality of you can have this over here and it can be okay, but this person isn't okay with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Two and we'll, we'll get specific when we, when we talk about the RPS stuff in a minute. Right. Um, so I guess we will see. Well, I wasn't even talking about RPS stuff quite yet. Oh. I was more talking about just fandom and saying like, like, okay, I know we've already done this, so you can totally cut this out if you want to. But, like, Blaine is having an issue because there's a post that he was there for that he saw that somebody has tagged that dad ass. So mm-hmm. he's, like, struggling. This He's, like, um, straddling this line of... I still find that ass very attractive. And yesterday, mm-hmm. before this all happened, I would have reblogged that with that caption. But now it doesn't feel okay. But both well, of those things can coexist at the same time. Well, and there's, you know, and not to jump ahead, but maybe we'll just jump ahead real quick. Because, well, we're going to, for a second, I'm going to skip the Finn conversation. That's fine. Because um, the next bit with Blaine, and it's only like three paragraphs long. Um at the same time, he wants to blog about it. He wants yes. to talk about how amazing Kurt is and how he wants to – basically, I, I gloat is – because uh, sounds like a harsh word. But he wants he wants to be like, hey, I got to see him. I got to smell him. I got to be next to him. I got to be right. with him. Like, you know, and I mean, think about it. Think about just in, you know, our fandoms – when somebody has gotten to meet the celebrity and how everybody, you know, you do get a lot of people like, Hey, I got to like meet this guy for like five seconds. And, you know, and usually it's like, you know, even at like a fandom meet and greet or something, you're like, yeah. And he hugged me and it was amazing. And you just want to like, be like, this is awesome. And no, you're not like BFF, but it's just having that moment of saying I was there and I did this and I, I got to interact and it's kind of an exciting thing. And that's kind of what fandoms also kind of, you know are fueled on so right it's one of the driving forces and like you said blaine wants to be able to do that but he can't no he says he needs this guy to trust him and because the other thing and it's interesting it's not just that blaine finds him attractive and blaine wants to like be careful with the little bit of like interaction that they've had it's also that blaine is a super two mm-hmm. and he knows that he's going to have to be going through this stuff and he knows that if he's serious about this he he thinks that he's going to really need ghost's help and he needs to build that bridge of trust so right exactly he's actually being very smart about it so 
So Rachel and Finn are making out. So, you know, um, this actually cracks me up because for some reason I get this really comical image of Finn like sitting on the couch and Rachel on top of him, like straddling him (laughs) and like trying to eat him and like, like just trying to eating at his face. And it's kind of awkward and weird and like, it's not really sexy or anything. And then like Kurt walks in and just, I don't know. Finn like throws her off. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh I don't know why it just cracks me up. Anyway, so he goes, um, he's actually sent home from so I think we're making out like in the middle of the day. Um which I suppose happens. Um so he gets home and basically um, so in this little scene, um, basically there's a couple of points, uh, we get, uh, we get Finn wanting Kurt to call his dad mm-hmm. because it's been a while and, um, Kurt, uh, um, wants to talk about where Puck is. Right. So, um, Finn's basically like, call Bert and I will tell you where Puck is. Right. And they kind of work that out. Um, even... <laughs> Then it goes into just something even more awkward. <laughs> it's this whole thing where Ugh, Rachel wanted <laughs> Rachel wanted him to have the talk with Kurt as if about nobody's ever had it condoms, with Kurt before. About condom use? Like, why? Why, Rachel? Why? She's dumb. But, you know, you know, do you ever feel bad for Rachel in that yes. like, she really just doesn't know a lot about sex she might be having it but she just doesn't know a lot about it i feel really and, bad for rachel because she how do i want to put this she had two parents that didn't know how to talk to her about how to be a woman yeah oh we should specify uh rachel's dad has two dads so yes rachel has two dads <laughs> which i don't think ever comes up in the story but no it's, but yeah. i think it's just one of those things that's just assumed yeah because yeah because so. rachel in the show has two dads mm-hmm. but yes that's something that's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast that we're not gonna do right now but no. yes i do <laughs> feel sorry for her a lot of the time because i feel like she didn't have any positive female role models going up and that and because of that she has an awkward relationship with sex and it's and so intimacy. It's, interesting that where i will say like yeah we can nitpick how a lot of differences are between kurt and blaine and their canon counterparts finn and rachel feel pretty dead on just yes. even in the mannerisms and the way they speak and i'm like it's interesting to me that where kurt can feel off quite a bit because of a role that she more specifically wants him to play with in the story, mm-hmm. the side characters are just spot on. Um, yep. Maybe because they don't have to play specific roles that she's got in her head. but Right. And they also, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, they don't have a whole lot to do with the story. They support it, but they don't, yeah. they're not the main point. Yeah, they're of not it. the main characters. Okay. So. Um, so yeah, so after that little awkward thing, um, I like that he kind of basically closes the door on him. Right, he didn't even finish the conversation, he's just like, bye, and then <laughs> shuts the door. Um, he calls, he calls Bert. Yes. And Bert's upset, and this actually, this is why I think that the writers of the show were actually familiar with, um, with this story, because the episode Bash. Yes, um, it is where, like... Word for word. <laughs> so, like, 
You all read this, didn't you? This came out before the episode Dash, which is a season five episode in which Kurt uh, goes out and he tries to take down some guys beating up a guy, another guy, and gets knocked out. And Bert comes into the hospital room and basically yells at him. And this, it's like (laughs) this particular scene where Bert's just like, and he's he's just dad about it. He's just a dad about it. And Kurt's just Kurt about it. And. And it's very, very indicative of their relationship, the way that they talk over each other and they're not completely listening to the end of the sentence because they really already know what the other one is going to say. And it's just very like, it's a very common conversation between two people who have lived with each other their entire, uh, Kurt's entire life. Not Bert's entire life, but you know what I mean. Like, (laughs) yes, I know what you mean. Like the entire Yes, there are definitely, you know, and right now this is the most, this is Kurt's only reason for living right now is to take care of his dad. And, you know, we've talked in the previous chapters that Kurt is, he is there because his responsibility, um, God, you know, there are a lot of common themes with, um, with uh, Spider-Man, actually, the more the more I've been reading Spider-Man I comic books, I remember you. We, we were talking about oh that my on God. the podcast too. Yeah. Like, there's I've, lots. I, I just because like I've always like followed Spider-Man, but like I've been reading a lot more Spider-Man lately, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this whole idea of responsibility and how you, he gets carried away with it to the point where it's detrimental to his personal relationships. It's a very Spider-Man thing. Yep. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what else I pick up. Um, but she is definitely Rainjoy knows her superheroes and her yes, genre. So, so yeah. Okay. So we already talked about the bling thing. So, um, then we get into where Kurt gets into the cell and he goes to talk to Puck. Right. Because something Puck has said, had said in their, confrontation made Kurt kind of pause like you know what happened to make you like this Mm -hmm. something that Puck said yep so he goes and he he talks to Puck and he basically grills him and talking to Puck is you know (laughs) it's not an easy thing well he's Noah like Puckzilla is I mean, you he, you find out as Puck is talking, but it's he gets like that when he has a emo- when he has emotions, and they're not just negative emotions or anger emotions or rage emotions. They're all his emotions. If he gets upset, mm-hmm. if he gets sad, if he gets um, it, does he say happy? I can't remember. But I don't remember, yeah. Um, Sadly, scared, just feeling yes, scared, and so he's like, you know, so Kurt's worried about him. Yeah, to an extent, he he still is going to protect his city from him, but he's still worried about what happened to Puck to make him like this. Well, and also because if they did it to Puck, they could have done it to other people. Um, And we kind of get in the scene, which is kind of the main conflict that will end up being what we see driving the entire story, um, even into Grey, actually, but. that there's somebody who is creating superheroes who's mm-hmm. kind of plain. Like, Kurt and Blaine are both 
like mutants in the X-Men. They are born with it. But um, somebody made Puck into Puck. So they tapped into his mutant ability. I don't know. However you want to put it. it right. He does not really define it like no. X-Men or anything. So, um, so yeah. But um, I guess the other thing that's interesting that comes out. Like he doesn't get very much information out of Puck because Puck doesn't know much himself. Um, but also Puck is like, you have to wade through the nonsense that Puck chucks out. But the other thing that I find is super interesting that you don't really notice it unless you're really paying attention is that at the very end, um, Sue shows up, Sue Sylvester, mm-hmm. um, and she is some kind of important person. And I just, do we even really know it's her until the very end? No. We don't yeah. know it's her until much, much later. She's just um, she's just a woman who is in a cut suit. And, oh, how does he just... Uh, a woman with short blonde hair. Um, and her shark cup suit that she's not a cop. But you that's what I find is, information we get about her. It's kind of cool about Sue in this... I, I actually like Sue in this story way better than real Sue. Right. <laughs> But uh, that she knows this ghost is there. She mm-hmm. is a smart woman. She is working for the government, I believe. Um, Some capacity, yeah. Yeah, and she is very observant. And she knows just by, like, you know, because um, Kurt had brought Puck something to eat. And now there's, like, rappers. And and she's just got a sense about she's going to be very involved in Grey. Not necessarily much in this one. But, um she knows that he's there and it's kind of fourth wall breaking kind of the way Sue is in regular Canon, but also like she is one of the very few people who is actually a legitimate threat to Kurt in this story. Right. Now here's m- my question that I want to pose to you. Do you think that she already knows what his weakness is? Yes. She's got a taser. Yes. She brought I, in the, I think t- the taser. That, I, I think she's got an idea. I think that she is aware that here's this kid and here's the entire file. Like, okay, so here's the other thing. I guess it's kind of, you know, it's not something I thought about until right this second. When you have your entire life online, there can be people who, I don't want to say exploit, but can, like... Learn about you or yeah. gain things from you. From so fandom other has all of this stuff on cart, on the ghost, and everything. You know, this woman is a government woman. She has taken all of this and she's pieced it together. And they made point that um, there's one time that Kurt did get tasered, and he was unconscious and like basically. Oh right. Yeah. And so he, he had like, already he said, woke up and he had all these people around him. Yeah. And so somebody probably took a picture of that. Plus, on top of that, she's a smart woman. I mean, she's she knows that, you know, he's a ghost, but he, he you know, everybody knows about the fire incident. And there was issues from that. That So she's pieced together his career, basically, and said, okay, he avoids this. He goes after this. He does this. She's already got him psychologically profiled. And what's interesting is she has not shared that information with anybody else. No. Because they, nope. he mentions earlier that they still don't have a way to hold him if he were to get caught. Yep. So she hasn't, she may have figured it out, but she hasn't shared it with anyone. No. And I mean, it might not be a complete, I mean, I think the taser is also there to get, yes. to, to, to like, you know, but I, 
I don't think she's necessarily looking to run into him and the ghost, I mean, and to stop him right then there. But she is kind of a like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know you're there. Like you better, you know, we will be in touch more so. Yeah. So I think though, and I can't remember because it's been a long time since I've actually paid attention to the main part of this plot. Does she, is she looking after, um, I guess I won't give away who the main villain is, um, even though everyone who's probably listened to this has read the story. If you're listening to this, you've probably read this, but Um, just in case. Is she looking for them too? I mean, like, is she on the same thought process? I always thought, yes. Okay. Um, But I could be wrong. Yeah, I think she's looking for the same people that Kurt is, and they're going to both end up at the same point at the same time, basically. Yes. So there's another story out there of her little venture, I guess. So, right. Okay. So going back to Blaine's point of view, um, <laughs> this is interesting. Um, so we're talking about fan fiction and, you know, rain joy has been around long enough that she calls it slash. Uh, <laughs> Which, fun fact. I didn't know. I didn't know what that meant for probably two years of fandom. Mm, for I mean, like I didn't know that that was like a term that people used and what it meant. Well, and I will say I read fan fiction before I was in a part of a fandom. So people back in the nineties, because I'm old, um, would be like, "This is slash," and I and slash just means a male and male shipped characters. Uh, now it doesn't really mean anything because you don't slash people anymore, but. Right. Um, Did it mean funny. female, female too, or yeah. was it just male, it's male? Just, no, it was. Well, the female, female. I don't know. I think it means gay, just the gay characters. But I don't know if females had their own name for it. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, I don't know. I can't answer that one way or the other. That's okay. I just wonder. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to ask somebody, or if you know, write into us. We would yeah. love to hear from you. That's totally fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So here's where Blaine and ethics starts to get to be right. a thing, uh, which is more. So I'm just going. Right. So what you know what I would like to do? Let's talk about the two Blaine parts, okay. and then we'll save Kurt's little encounter with a Spanish person uh, with the when we put it with the uh, Santana. Gotcha. Does that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. All right, so, um, okay, so he's got, first of all, there's this Puck Ghost fanfic, and um, uh, it's interesting because he's like, the fan, fit is, fan art is actually really gorgeous. Um, it's this really beautiful thing, and it, it, it's an interesting thought that, like, here's Puckzilla, which Blaine is like, ugh, why would anybody do this? And yet this piece of art is really beautiful. So I think mm-hmm. that is just an interesting thing because it is a thing in fandom. I have seen pictures of like, wow, that's really pretty. I don't really, uh, you know, like Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes. I don't care. Right. <laughs> but there are a lot of nice pictures out there. Artists are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but And when a really great artist focuses on one thing, it can be really awesome. And it, I don't know. I it's I agree like it's like I think this is so beautiful but I don't get the pairing behind it. 
exactly. Um, and then we get to the, okay. Uh, all right. So what kind of person writes, you know, no children under 17 puck goes to non-consensual relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. He says, okay, so here's the, I don't even know how deep we want to get into this. All right. So what Blaine is kind of having trouble with is that before he could read something about that would be, you know, explicitly porn or have some darker themes to it. And it wouldn't really cross his mind. But now that he's met the ghost, now that he thinks of the ghost as a person, like he, it makes him uneasy. Mm hmm. Right. And, you know, something that I was going to say, and um, I kind of, I wrote it down because I wanted to bring it up, is that this type of writing has been around as long as fan fiction has been around, which is a lot longer than people realize, I think. Not maybe not internet people, but like regular people. Do you want to explicitly state, because I think... There are it, it, this conversation gets confusing because because we there dance are it. not no not because we dance but because there's two different facets. Yes. There is the real person aspect, and then there's the fictional aspect. So let's take let's take the fictional aspect first. Okay, let's say we're talking about Kurt and Blaine fiction, and there are some darker themes to it. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Has been around forever. Like people have been writing this kind of dark porn, this dark. Well, I actually mean both. Um, okay, so both let's... of them have been around forever, but or for a very long time. Okay, so let's just kind of so that we can dovetail these two conversations into one. Um, I th- I think that there's a difference to me anyway when you're talking about something that's completely fictionalized. Mm-hmm. So you take two characters and. You put them together and they're just, you know, like, let's say, let's take two comic book characters. Let's even take out, like, the actor aspect of it. Let's say you're talking about two, like, book characters or comic book characters. Like, let's use Captain America and Bucky Barnes for RB. And uh, um, it is a um, a non-consensual sexualized fic. There's That, to me, is like, okay, that is something I personally wouldn't want to read but there i can understand if people needing to write it to explore that aspect or if they're going to read it or whatnot that's one thing mm-hmm. when you add in like i really want to see this particular fic as chris evans and sebastian stan right that's where i get a little like okay you know this makes me uncomfortable because these are real people and that is between this scene and the next scene that comes up where Blaine starts actually having a conversation about it with one of the fangirls, mm-hmm. it's like, what is the line? What right. is our responsibility? Mm-hmm. What is the ethics of it? And that kind of leads us into this bigger conversation. Right. Because if you take your analogy and you compare it to Blaine, you've put Blaine into a position where Captain America and Bucky Bar- yeah, Bucky Barnes are real people in his world. Right. So... Because this is where the, it gets a little sticky. Because, like, before he met the ghost, he was just Captain America and Bucky Barnes, the fictional people. Right. But then he gets, he meets him, and 
and by extension, Puckzilla. He met Puckzilla too. No, Puckzilla is a real person to him as well. Because Puckzilla tried to kill him. That's the right. other thing. Like, keep in mind that he sees this non-consensual exactly. story in the context of Puck tried to kill him. Yeah, and tried to kill the ghost in front of him. He yeah. literally, he was a danger to them in front of his eyes to the point where he was scared for his life. Yeah. So then he's taking, you're taking that and then you're expecting, or then Flaine is having to weed through how he feels about that. Right. And he even asks, he's like, what would, uh, you know, people think if they wrote you and Ghost Slash, you know, what is, you know, what is going on? And then later with the girl, um, and we'll get, like, we'll talk about the Cooper thing at the very end, because it's funny, I don't want to miss that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I actually took a screenshot of that while I was reading it today, because I cracked up so much. <laughs> um, you know, there's... Okay, so... Getting into this conversation about RPS, which I do think is relevant because it's going to come up a lot. You know, Blaine says, you know, maybe we should just read this out. Okay. Um, you know, he's talking to a fan girl where they're called fan ghosts in Australia. And he's like, she says, they're indeed difficult ethical issues. Yes. But, you know, this is the Internet. It's no place to judge anyone else's kinks. You don't like RPS. You don't ship it. And then Blaine writes, I don't think they haven't thought it. I just think they haven't thought it through. He risks his neck for everyone, and they say thanks by writing, um, by writing about it going wrong and the worst thing to happen to him. And then she writes, "Some people genuinely ship them." And then he says, "But that's not the point." And he, as she says, "Neither is that." Now you're saying, oh, "Wait, who am I on now?" Okay, she says, neither is that. That's not how they're saying things. It's nothing to do with the gratefulness. It's just them getting their smut down. I don't know you. You shouldn't take it personally. They don't write it for him. Um, and he says, but that's the point. They're not thinking about him at all. They write it and put it on the internet, and they never think about him, and it's not fair. And then she writes, "It's you know, life is not fair. Which really is a nice summary of, you know, you have this stuff written on the internet mm -hmm. and on the one hand no this stuff is not meant like if you're going to write about chris evans and sebastian Stan doing it in every kind of position ever it's not for them right at the same time you know um you know, you are taking the person out of it. Mm -hmm. Like you are no longer writing about Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan. You are writing about the fictionalized versions of them in your head. Right. And what is, is exactly the ethics what I was going to say? Yeah, I think the important thing is, and the thing that the the problematic issues that come up is when people because there are definitely people I've known in my life where they look at the situation and they're like, yeah, I really like, you know, seeing Chris Evans and Sebastian Smith stand like screw around. I get that. Okay. And they're like, yeah, I know they're not in real life. I know that they're both straight. I know that that's X, Y, Z. I just like the look of it. I said, okay, I don't read it myself and I don't, I would never write it. That's just not my thing. However, there are, it, when it gets sticky is when people start believing that that's a real thing and it starts impeding, on the lives of those actual real people. Right. And, you know, I, I just don't have anything else to add to that. Like it's, that's, that's the whole point. It's whenever it becomes a problem for the people who are, you're actually writing about. Right. And that is what Blaine's saying. He's like, look, 
you know, this, <laughs> I think that it becomes tricky when you get into a, an area of celebrity that you do lose a part of that privacy. You do lose a part of yourself that belongs only to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it is a thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if you have to, as a person in a fandom, take a step back mm-hmm. and evaluate your relationship with what you're doing mm-hmm. and how it does have effect on other people, whether you realize it or not. Right. So, <clears throat> responsible fandoming. Right. And then just to bring this all back to Blaine, there is also an aspect of, I mean, he even says it early. He said it earlier, but this could be him. Like this could, they could be writing this about him. And I think that he's kind of like, he's taken the, because sometimes I feel like whenever the, when you Getting into the RPS stuff, you kind of take the humanity out of the person that you're writing about, and he's put the humanity back in because it's about him. He's seen himself in that situation. Yep, exactly. And the ethical line is, like I said, it's blurry. I mean, everyone has their own boundaries about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I said, I think that there is a responsibility to understand your place in it and understand that if you are going to, you know, explore these things to, you know, the subject is not a part of it. You know, you do Mm -hmm. kind of have to have that disconnect and it is fictional because you do not know these people and you do not know their lives and anything else would be disingenuous. So absolutely. Yeah. So the scene, the original scene with Blaine that we were talking about actually ends, um, when he is oh shoot i'm on the wrong page you're gonna have to end this oh so um it it originally so the the scene originally ends with uh he gets kind of like broken out of his thoughts because cooper opens the door without knocking and says wish me luck little brother and blaine just mutters break your legs He doesn't really like, even look up. He's just I know. He doesn't even it's such a sibling thing to do. And it's like I can literally see the two of them in like Cooper bursting open the door. Wish me luck, little brother. And then Blaine not even looking up from his computer. Break your legs. <laughs> like I can uh, see it. It's so awesome. You know, the other thing, other point, I think this is kind of interesting. And I'm I'm curious about your thoughts because I remember this being I don't know. This is something a little bit different, but um, so many posts reblog if you worry about the ghost like a mother. I mean, he looks like he's 17 and I think is whether he's eating properly and getting enough sleep. And Blaine thinks it's cute reblogs, but I've heard so many people like, you know, don't worry about the millionaires. They're fine. Uh, Now, granted, this is a different context. Like this is a ghost and this is a, you know, person fighting crime and you don't know him. Mm -hmm. But when it's about like an actor. Um, I'm going to be completely honest and say that whenever people say that about, like, don't worry about the millionaires, it gets on my, it gets under me, my skin. That's what, and I don't really have an opinion either way. Like, right. so I was just saying, like, this right. is what no. people say. Right. No, I completely, I, I, I gotcha. Um, it gets under my skin because, like, I mean, there's still people, there's still people yeah. who are working really hard and you can, 
I feel like it takes people can have empathy. Let people have empathy for people. Like you don't need to quote unquote police how people feel about other people. And so that like, yeah, he doesn't need to worry about how he's going to pay the power bill tonight, but maybe he just worked 20 hours straight and he needs to eat and get some sleep. Like that's okay. The two things are all right. And you can be a person who's empathetic towards that. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to climb off my soapbox now, but just, you know, <laughs> well, and I don't have an opinion. I don't really right. care that much. I'm not a person who spends a lot of time worrying about the well-being of celebrities. So, right. And I don't really either, but it's, it bugs me when people want to police how other people. Oh yeah. And that's the thing I think go about things. We'll get into fandom stuff. Um, when we get more into when the fandom becomes its own entity outside of Blaine, we can talk a lot more about how she hits the nail on the head and like fandoming fandom policing fandom is an irritating thing in general. And we'll get into that. So And you know what? If you want to get real technical about it, he may not be seventeen, but he's not sleeping and probably not eating all that great. So Oh, about Kurt? Yeah. Yeah. In this story, yeah, no, it's definitely he probably does not look very good. He probably like they, she's made mention numerous times while in his girt, in his girt, in his ghost persona. <laughs> in his girt, his girt. It's a the portmanteau of ghost and Kurt. It's girt. Right. Um, and that he doesn't look good. He's right. And uh, the thing to keep in mind that, that, that I think is important with the building of Kurt and Blaine's relationship that we get into is that Kurt's kind of at the end of his rope. He is barely surviving at this point. And, um, yeah, he kind of does need someone. He needs help. He, you know, not someone, I don't definitely am not saying he needs somebody to save him. I don't like that rhetoric and that's not what I'm saying, but But he does need, he needs help in that he needs a, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? (sighs) Cohort. Maybe. He just, you know, he you can't as one person do everything on your own, and he's trying. He's and trying to, and he's he's making himself sick. Yeah, but he also doesn't have, and again, I'm not saying Blaine is his reason to live, but he also doesn't have anything other than his father to, and other than his responsibility to. He doesn't have anything to come home to at night. Rachel mm-hmm. and Finn are not much to come home to, and. So the only thing that he has is his ghost persona. Mm-hmm. And when he starts to have more reason to come home and it won't, it'll be more than Blaine. It will be, you'll see, you know, his relationship with Finn and, and Rachel become a little bit stronger. And, but I think that Blaine is the catalyst to that because yes. he lets him open up. So yes. Blaine doesn't need to save Kurt. He just needs to be there to let Kurt save himself. Exactly. Which is which is what happens in canon, too. So I think yes. that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. Anyway. So, then we get this scene where um, Kurt... Well, the first part of it we skipped over. Um, where he's, like, taking on this guy. 
and um, the guy is talking to him in Spanish. And it's just kind of a cute little moment. Yeah, it's just a little snippet of his night where this guy is like, he doesn't realize that what the ghost is or what he can do or what he can survive. And so Ghost is kind of like, oh, really, again, what? Why can't you speak French? I speak French. Yeah, and it's just really funny because like, he tries to shoot the ghost and he's like, are you seriously new? Come on. Like, right. right. Um, so, yeah. But then it kind of leads into, um, we get to meet Miss Santana Lopez, who is incendiary. Um, Which is hilarious. Um, I don't know what her, you know, purpose other than she's pissed off because, well, there's a line in here, um, 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 you know, he says, you know, uh, well, she's pissed off because she thinks that Kurt turned Brittany good or turned Brittany against, against her. her, you know, and, and she says, you know, what else isn't a good idea? Fucking with my girlfriend's brain. You know what she can't, you know, she can't hold two ideas at once. And now she's got it in her head. Uh, now they've got her in this facility where she's like, oh, I can help. I can help people, rainbows and kitties and butterflies and shit. And where does that leave me? Mm-hmm. And I, this is the most Santana line. I think this is fantastic because not only does it show like some of the, dare I say, stuff that I don't like about Brittany and Santana um, right. and Santana's manipulative streak, but it also says that Brittany is a decent person at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it sets up the facility that eventually will be there um, that Kurt will end up going to in gray. And, um, Santana's scared that she's going to be on her own and not really. Right. Wow. All of that in like three sentences. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot going on in this. Oh, can we read the, the the, my favorite back and forth? Okay. So first of all, it's like when they just start like yelling at each other. Um, the this is one of those times that the action is so vague that I have a little hard time like visualizing what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just me, but um, but anyway, Santana manages to cut herself, and they end up like down in the subway or something like that. And he's trying to you know help her, and they start yelling at each other, right? And um. And then, like, she starts yelling at him, and he goes, well, you're the one that's calling me out. And she says, you were the one who sold my girlfriend. You were the one who made her into a criminal. You were the one who made that difficult. (laughs) (laughs) This is not helping! (laughs) So. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if this has a... uh, Did we also talk about Ken Tanaka being, like, the police sergeant? of police i don't know if we talked about it but it's they said they mentioned it earlier did we talk about it before in another podcast i don't remember i don't remember either uh well ken tanaka is such a throwaway character i mean he's not even in glee that much you kind of forget he's there and so he's forgettable here too so whatever doesn't really matter um i'm trying to think if there's any like larger purpose for this particular scene uh, well, you, I mean, you kind of know, have we already seen that he's ghosted out of 
handcuffs before because you get yeah, that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I think this is more of, I mean, setting up Santana is mm. important and the facility thing is important. I think it, I, I do remember one of the comments Rainjoy said once about this is that she tries to put some kind of superhero-y thing in every chapter. So I think this is the obligatory right. superhero-y thing. That makes sense. So it's a it's a neat little action sequence, but I don't know if there's anything that I'm like, oh, this is you know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I like. I, I, oh, go ahead. There was just one line I I cannot um, skip over. It's uh, earlier in the thing, and he's like, "God, you stalk us back to our secret lair once, and you think you can blow all our secrets to anyone?" And he's like, "An apartment in the village is not a secret lair." Right. <laughs> so this is something that I was going to say earlier. So. Kurt, or Ghost, knows all of these people's secret identities. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't... He calls them Santana and Brittany, and he knows that Puck's name is actually Noah. Um, and it's just... That was interesting to me. And then... But then this kind of, like, kind of explained that, because he followed them home one night. Mm-hmm. He followed them to their, quote-unquote, secret lair in the village. And... <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know where I really was going with that, except for that it was interesting. Yeah. But that's how he figured out who they were. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. That is a little bit of a departure, at least from the comic books that I've read, that it just, you don't necessarily get, like, there's etiquette, probably because it started off in the Silver Age and, like, the roots of it, like, just never went away. Where, you know, if it's Spider Man, you know, fighting Venom or whoever, it's that's like Spider-Man fighting Venom and it's not like Spider-Man is going to be like Eddie now calm down we need to talk right. about this like it's, I, I mean he's under some funnier circumstances or like specific circumstances sure I mean like you know Xavier will you know call Magneto Eric sure because they're friends and they actually know each other but like right. in general well, I feel like and you would know this maybe more than I would because I didn't really read the comics but I remember when I was a kid in Batman Batman would call some of the villains by their actual name now, like I said, I, I don't read DC. I don't know that, right. you know, and maybe, I mean, but like, yeah, he knew like Selena Kyle as a friend, as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, you know them as people. So, and I can see that, like, it just, it's kind of funny. I don't know. And at this point, this is making it more of a realistic thing where you would not, she wants to be also just known as incendiary. And he is like, no. You are Santana. Right. You need to knock this off. Which brings me to an interesting point, though, now that I think of it. He is so adamant about calling, you know, Puck Noah and her Santana and Brittany Brittany. And yet, for him, the ghost is definitely a separate thing Mm -hmm. than Kurt. Yep. So. Which is maybe an issue that he has that he needs to address. Yeah. Does he address it? That's up to up to interpretation. But he doesn't want to be. He would freak out if they called him Kurt. But yet oh, he yeah, he has no problem. In fact, Blaine's going to say Kurt in some kind of fight. He he will freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, also the only other little detail I want to mention is that he gets his utility bills occasionally different delivered from Mr. T. Spreto, care of Mr. Conti's coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just funny. It's just, it, it, the only reason why I bring it up though, is just because, um, they make a point. She makes a point to mention it in this particular, um, 
little um, segment, I guess. And Blaine's going to bring it up in the next one. Um, when he's like, how do I get a utility belt? Right. <laughs> right. right. So Kurt's already figured all that out. And I think, again, um, this will be more when we talk about Gray. It's important to realize that Kurt has been doing this for years and years. Right. And Blaine is just starting. Right. So, so yeah, so we end the chapter uh, with Blaine this time. And he is. He's going through... Uh, unless, I'm sorry, I completely... Was there anything else you wanted to talk about, Santana? Oh, no. Okay, sorry. Um, we we end the chapter with Blaine this time, and he's like going over things like grappling hooks and flashlights and what does he need, and will he need a grappling hook? <laughs> and just, <laughs> he's like, he's just like, screw it. I just need somebody to tell me what to do. Right. Or Blaine. Oh, Blaine. Um, Blaine is one of those characters who's much better being guided in the right direction Mm -hmm. and he might have figured it out himself but you know he he, probably would have figured it out himself but he definitely benefited from their relationship just as much as kurt does um i would like to um take another this is another great cooper moment he doesn't want to go back to his apartment because cooper will be shouting his lines and stabbing his fingers at things things. yep his version (laughs) of rehearsing rehearsing. oh Oh, my my goodness goodness. it's great (laughs) Uh, so, um, yeah, and he, and Blaine's also a photographer in this particular, um, which we never got confirmation of in canon, but there was always winks and nods to it. He was a big scrapbooker, and he had those vintage cameras everywhere in his bedroom. I mean, I think Blaine is a camera person. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I think it's one of those things that. Blaine just was not defined in season two or three enough to have a lot of likes and dislikes. I mean, so Fandom latched on to like the tiny details and the one-liners. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, he likes Rocky music, Rocky music. So that's the only thing that he listens to. Right. Um, and so. Brian yeah. Ferry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, he's kind of minding his own business when he literally runs into somebody coming around the corner. Oops. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> the, How did love. this happen? I don't know. This is the most fan fiction-y fanfic oh, thing. I, I think it's know. funny, though. I mean, Do you yeah, ever it's... have, like, just as an aside, do you ever have moments where you're like, wow, does it, am I in a fan fiction right now? <laughs> I do <laughs> well, I, you know, okay, so true story. Um, I went to college in a different place that, okay, so first of all, no, let's back up. Let's see if I can make this quick too. So I moved around a lot as a kid. I did not, I went to kindergarten and first grade in certain places, and then I moved around to other places. And I went to high school in another place completely, and then I ended up in another place to go to college. So I was in college and I was working with a, uh, another co-worker who is like a couple years younger than I am. And he mentions that his sister's getting married. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's crazy. I'm like, okay. Then I find out that his sister's getting married to the brother of one of my friends from high school. Okay. <sighs> On okay. top of that, I went to kindergarten with his sister. Oh my gosh. Isn't that weird? That is like, weird. It's, I have not seen this family since I was in kindergarten. I didn't even know. And I think that I knew, like, oh, yeah, you, your sister and I went to kindergarten. And the fact that she was marrying the brother of one of my friends at the high school that I went to, which was different, way different at a place, 
So yeah, I do have those moments of like, are we in fan fiction? Like, is right. this real? Does Wait. this really happen? Are we in a fan fiction right now? <laughs> now, granted, if I could only just run into the love of my right. life around the corner of the right. New York building. <laughs> that would be just lovely. But then I got to go to New York and that's like a whole plane ride and money and I don't have any of that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm the joy kill of this podcast. Don't just no this does not happen but it's fun in fan fiction and i love it yeah I, I actually think it's the most hilarious thing okay so blaine walks around the corner and smack he runs into kurt um it's because god who is rain right. joy in this instant made it happen <laughs> right. divine intervention made this happen um so yeah so it's an interesting little moment where like the coffee cup like spills and you look up and you're like, Oh, and Blaine immediately recognizes it. And okay. So there's a part I like about this ending scene and a part I dislike about it. Okay. The part I like about it is that it brings it back to the first scene where Blaine hazily is looking up at Carton's like, Oh my God, he's so beautiful and et cetera. And in this moment he recognizes Kurt because that's the same beautiful person that he saw earlier. He's like, right. Oh, that's the how eyes. it is. Yeah. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, the part I don't like is her definition or her description of ghost being looking trapped, looking like he might cry mm-hmm. while Blaine is like beaming, you know, and like, yeah, this makes it look creepy. Right. I don't like that. I don't like it. I'm sorry. No, like, I agree. It's very uneven, unbalanced. Yeah. Like, you almost feel like you need to tell Kurt to run. Yeah. Because he's scared. Yeah. And I don't like the idea that Blaine is not being aware of that. Right. Um, and it's just that last sentence. I'm like, you could just rewrite this that Bla- that Kurt was in shock and Blaine was also in shock. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That doesn't, you know, you can. So, yeah, it's my little nitpicking of the writing. Um I think it, as you said, unbalanced is a great way, and you want Kurt to get out of there, mm-hmm. as opposed to no, this is actually a nice, cute little, cute romantic moment. Right. Um, so yeah, it's why words are important, and uh, to kind of, I get what she was saying here, um, but I don't necessarily agree with the wording of it. Right. I would completely agree with you. I understand where she's going. It is not the place I would take it. And I wish it was different. Right. And like I said, the the moment before when, when, you know, Blaine kind of like sees him and, you know, Oh, and the other thing is like Blaine grabs his wrist for a second. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm like, again, I can understand like the, please don't disappear. And Kurt being like, I can't disappear. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> but um, but I guess this also goes into the thing, like I said, my one criticism, and I feel so bad like playing this note over and over again, is that the way she writes Kurt is just so different than canon Kurt that sometimes it can be jarring. Most of the time it's fine. But like in these little incident in- instances, I'm a little like, uh Yeah. I would completely agree with that. Awesome. So yeah, that kind of wraps up chapter three. Yay. That's, that's it for chapter three. Yeah. Uh, and so next chapter, um, I believe we get a lot of, you know, hanging out. 
<laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be, which is nice. I think at this point, it's nice to finally get them together because mm-hmm. I think you know you just want these characters to be on page together more. And now they're really going to be in a you know not more than just acquaintances type thing. Right. And we get the the development of the main part of the story, which is Kurt and Blaine's relationship. So it'll be really cool. Time to get talky awesome. with each other. Exactly. <laughs> That's how you want to end the podcast? Okay. Uh, the end. The end. Just kidding. Just All kidding. right. Well, I don't really have anything to say. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, uh, yeah, I'm done. All right, cool. So that kind of wraps up this podcast. Stop you from becoming popular. Lar. Hey.